0: Well, you know what? I was thinking as I was sitting there, how will I begin? And I started to, 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 to think about how when you go into a new place, a new church, and you meet somebody who is different and new, it helps to know a little bit about them. And Pastor Ben has, has given you just a little bit about my, my history. Uh, someone asked me this morning, how long have you been in Pasadena? And I often say about 100 years, simply because that's what it feels like. <laughs> I've been here for a long time. All but the first three years of my life have been lived in the city of Pasadena. And I'm excited about that because Pasadena is a great place to be, a great place to live, a great place to serve God. Now, here's the thing about me. My dad is a Baptist preacher. He was the third pastor of our church. We've only had four pastors. Dad was the third. Church was founded in 1938. I am the fourth and the first female. Come on. Come on. (laughs) (laughs) And Dad was a Baptist pastor. My mom was raised a Pentecostal. So I figured one day as I thought about it, okay, we've gone to church with dad, we've gone to church with mom. We used to go to church with dad on the days when we wanted to get home from church so that we would have time to play. That didn't happen at Pentecostal church. I'll tell you a little bit more about that later. And so I was thinking, so we've gone to dad's church, gone to mom's church, and as I became the pastor, I said, how do I how do I describe myself? And so I, I thought I created this term, and but there are other people who use it too, that I am an independent Baptocostal. <laughs> now what that means is that we get kind of rowdy at times. Pastor Ben was walking as he was worshiping and that's what I do at my church. And I told, turned to Kelly and I said, can I walk? I just want to walk. I just want to worship. I just want to lift my hands. I just want to jump and shout. But I also know that when you're coming to someplace new, you have to decide, do I acclimate to what they're doing and how they're worshiping, or do I just continue to be myself and scare the heck out of them? (laughs) And so that's where I have been this morning in worship, just wanting to just get, just get loose and just lift my hands and, and walk and praise God. And then the other thing I thought, they're not going to say amen after every sentence that I preach. <laughs> Let's practice. Okay, great. So if you want me to feel at home every now and then when I say something that resonates with you, then just say amen. How about that? Yes, I am absolutely so very glad to be here. I haven't been in this sanctuary in probably seven years or so. And I was telling the pastor that this always seemed to be more of a relic for us in the city. It's something about the churches that are on corners and, and so you came here for a wedding, beautiful aisle, or you came for a funeral service, or you came, um, I graduated from Fuller and so our baccalaureate was here and I think they may be still here at times. And, and so I haven't been here in a long time, but I've told you a little bit about myself. I hope enough about myself so that you are comfortable with hearing the word that I have and knowing that it is coming from the Lord wonderful i just one other thing about myself too is how many of you are either students or graduates of fuller okay well ben it's great that you're getting people from all over the city then not just from fuller okay well i am on the trustee board at, at, at fuller theological seminary and that's one of my joys today i am the first pastor first female pastor of my ch- old church And we also own affordable housing here in the community. Almost 200 units of affordable housing here in the city. So that's enough about me. Let's get on with the word of God. While I'm preaching, I want you to, if you will, count the number of times that you hear me say the word together. Let's say the word together, together. 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 So if you will, just, just count. Allow me to begin my message by reading a quote that I read this week by Erwin McManus from his book, An Unstoppable Force, and I hope that it disturbs you as it did me. The quote was this, America's best atheists are children of the church. It is rare to find a person who is a passionate enemy, enemy of the church who has never had contact with her. The diminishing influence of the American church on American society is not simply because fewer people are going to church, but McManus says, but fewer people who are going to church. Uh, Excuse me, but But it is because of fewer people are going to church, but fewer people who are going to church. Okay, let me start all over. (laughs) Say amen, amen, amen. Okay, he says that the diminishing influence of the American church on American society is not simply because fewer people are going to church, but fewer people are going to church because of the diminishing influence of Christ on the church itself. What has happened to the church is a question that some people ask and many of us as pastors ask. You know, there was a time when everyone you knew was influenced by the church. The standard of living was set by your identity in the church that you belonged to. If you were seven-day Adventist, you went to church on Saturday. If you were Catholic, you went to mass early on Sunday morning. If you were Baptist or Lutherans or Methodists, you went to Sunday, church on Sunday. And as I previously said, if you were Pentecostals, you went to church all day on Sunday. In some way, God was a part of your family heritage. What happened? How did we get to the place where it is noted that millions of teenagers and college students are leaving the church or disassociating with Christianity each year? How did we get here? As the world is consumed by crisis upon crisis, the pandemic, racism, economic inequity, homelessness and hunger, climate change, political disparity, Gun violence, murders, wars, and rumors of wars, the decline of democracy, and a church that is divided against itself. The pandemic brought the church to both a place of awareness and even some apathy. Awareness of how important it is and how important it was when we could no longer fellowship together. You all just started your church during the pandemic, but most of us who had churches in the community, we were bothered by that. How in the world can we remain good Christians and we can't come to church together? How in the world can we remain the body of Christ when we can't see each other on Sunday mornings because of this pandemic? It forced us to accept the disruption that, had thrust up, that was thrust upon the whole world with no choice in the matter. It put us behind closed doors. It made us go home and stay. We could not go to work, our children couldn't go to school, and we could not even go to church. Pastors and preachers, out of necessity, had to find ways to keep members encouraged online while the whole world waited in the pandemic. So now as the doors of the church are open again, there is apathy, a lack of interest, even enthusiasm regarding church. So what is the church to do when we find ourselves in a new place where we have never been before? A place called change. Some say that it is a place of numerous limitations. Church has become an option and is no longer a commitment. The congregations are smaller because many of the people haven't come back. The giving is down, while others say, including me, that today it just might be a place of great opportunity. (laughs) An opportunity created by circumstances that have made it not only but mandatory for us to do something new because Jesus himself said that the very gates of hell cannot destroy his church. God has brought us to a place of new beginning to open up new dimensions not only of his love but also of his grace with an opportunity to imagine What will and can be creatively done if we adapt to a place that we've never been before? And I believe that the book of Ephesians will help us to get there. The scripture has been read, and I'll read it again later. But the book of Ephesians has a theme. And the theme is the church is the body of Christ. God's master plan to bring everything together under Christ as the head. The letter to the Ephesians may be considered one of Paul's most profound writings. The church at Ephesus appears to be somewhat more mature than other churches. And one of the key themes of this letter is the mystery of the church and the fact that Gentiles should be considered fellow heirs of the same body as well as partakers of God's promises. This was considered a mystery because it was not revealed to the Old Testament saints. They had not heard of this before. And as we think about the church today, we must think about it in the context of its true meaning. Church defined in Bind's Bible Dictionary is assembly. It is an assembly, and it is the word ecclesia. Ek meaning out, ecclesis, calling, or a gathering, the whole company of the redeemed throughout or including this present era. I got so excited when I looked at that definition. I said it was not just for the people in Ephesus. It was not just for the people of that time and that day, but it is timeless. It is timeless. Oh my God. I got so excited about that. It is said that, Christ, that the church is Christ's spiritual body. So it must be timeless. From the Greek and Hebrew Key Bible, it says this in the commentary, Transcending the pettiness of some other churches, the major theme of Ephesians is the church, the ecclesia. It is the mystical body of Christ. God's great master plan was to bring everything together under Christ as the head and we as the body. And the Holy Spirit is the guarantee of God's promise. The New Spirit-filled life Bible in its commentary states this, that Ephesians unveils the mystery of the church as no other epistle. God's secret intention is revealed. Number one, to form a body, to express Christ's fullness on earth. Number two, to do this by uniting one people, both Jews and Gentiles, among whom God himself dwells. And number three, to equip, empower, and mature this people to the end, that they extend Christ's victory over evil. It appears that this letter was not just meant for the church in Ephesus, but for multiple churches, and it creates for us an amazing application by example. The church, the church, as I, as I prefaced saying that there are, I know for our church, there are many people have not come back to church. They are staying at home. I call them pajama Christians because they want to watch it online comfortably in their pajamas. But what about the church coming together? The church as Paul talked about, the church that was to be the body of Christ. In chapters two through four, the apostle Paul shows us clearly the importance of togetherness. God made us alive, raised us up, and seated us together with Christ so that we could be citizens together with the saints joined together with other parts of the body, built up together. Members and heirs and sharers joined and held together with each other in Christ's body. When I think about us being the body and Christ being the head, I think about how important it is for us to come together to get to know each other better than we know each other. I look around the room and there are not a whole lot of people that I recognize. Yet you live in this city and you come to this church and is it time for us to do more to come together as the body of Christ? Wow. When we think about that, I think about my body. Several years ago, I broke my baby toe. Oh my gosh, I ran into the bedpost and I thought I was just gonna faint. I was just having the, oh my God, nobody was home and oh my, I was in so much pain. And when I went to the doctor and he said, yeah, you're fractured, and he he said, there's not a whole lot we could do to wrap up the baby toe, so you just have to be very careful. But I began to think about that baby toe being a very small portion of my body, but caused so much pain in my body. And when I think about us being the body of Christ, are we built up together with Christ as the head? When I think about the church being the body of Christ, are you an arm? Are you a leg? Are you a hand? Are you an eye? All of those things we need. And with all of the churches across the community, I think there are probably 150 churches in Pasadena and Altadena coming together. But think about that number and think about how many of you know people in any of those churches. What will happen when the world sees the church, the body of Christ, walking with all of its extremities, a hand over here and a foot over here? So it doesn't matter if I come to your church and there are not a whole lot of people like me, I am still a part of the body of Christ and I bring something. And when I come, I receive something from all of you because you are the part of that same body. Isn't it amazing that God would call forth the body of Christ all of us coming together so there are black parts of the body there are asian parts of the body there are hispanic parts of the body wow but god is the head of all of that so i got very excited about coming here today to say yes we can come together pastor ben said he heard about the ccc and the ccc was founded in 2005 It was founded around the fact that there was so much gang warfare going on in our community. It was founded around the fact that affordable housing was one of the major issues. It's 17 years old and affordable housing is still one of the major issues in our community. What does that say? Have we done enough work or not? So we founded it in 2005, because when I became the pastor, there were so many men in the church or in the community that were pastors of different churches who decide were trying to decide is this of God or not? For her to be a pastor, is this of God? Can a woman be a pastor in the church? My dad who was ready to retire because my mom had passed He said listen at a trustee board meeting. I drove him there because I had gone to, to live with him take care of him when mom passed I drove him there. We didn't discuss very much. We get to the the, the church and all of a sudden in this meeting, my dad says, I feel like it's time for me to retire. My wife has gone to heaven. She's with the Lord. I've done my part. And every man would like to have a son to follow in his footsteps. I have two sons, but they're not preachers. He said, but my oldest girl is. And I declare that she should be the next pastor of this church. (laughs) well nobody said anything they weren't like you all the deacons and the trustees were not as excited as you were as a matter of fact you could hear a pin drop in the room because none of them knew what to say I'm not gonna go into that whole story but I stand here today having been the pastor for 22 years so anyway But I bring that up because I was out shopping one day, and I came across a pastor that I knew. You know, my dad was a Baptist pastor, and so the Baptist in the Baptist in the Baptist church, you know, you would go to the the the, the mission day and the youth day, and you would go back and forth, and you would trade that same hundred dollar bill in the offer, but Anyway, um, but it, it, it was what we did. And so here he was, and he says, "You've become the pastor of your dad's church. That's interesting." What would you like to see in this city as the pastor? And I said, I would like to see the church, the body of Christ come together, come together. And he looked at me, saints, and he laughed. He said, you'll never see that. And he walked away. And I made it my mission at that time to try to do my best to bring the church of Pasadena together. So when children were beginning to get shot and killed and murdered in this city because of gang violence, I said, something has got to be done. And we were in a meeting and I was sitting next to one of the prominent nonprofit uh, owners in the city and somebody raised their hand and said, what are we going to do? And she turned to me and she said, Pastor Jean, if the church would step up, we will follow. That was the emphasis for the founding of the CCC. Because I knew, Pastor Ben, right away, that we were not about yet to bring congregations together unless we brought pastors together. Unless we could get pastors to come and sit and disregard for a moment the polity of their denomination What the bylaws said, if we could simply get them to come together and sit around a table and pray. And do you know that one of the places that we started our prayer meetings is in this church. In the small chapel. We came every Thursday and we prayed in the small chapel that this place would open up something. And then we left here and we went to the Rose Bowl. One of the pastors was the janitor at the Rose Bowl and we went to the Rose Bowl and we went to the the press box and we stood in the press box and we turned to the east and the west and the north and the south and we prayed for the city of Pasadena to come together. And then in 2006, while we were praying in the chapel in this place, one of the ministers said, I feel like God wants us to do something really, really different. Well in 2006, City Hall, was being retrofitted it was not safe for earthquakes those of you who have lived here for that long will remember that and we prayed and we got up off of our knees and we heard the Lord say while the city hall is lifted up off of its foundation go down there and pray what so we went to the city manager and we told her what we wanted to do and bless Cynthia Kurtz's heart She was the city manager at the time. And she said, I'll go and ask them if that's even possible. Well, she went down to ask the foreman down there who was a believer. And he said, we will make it happen. But no more than seven. Seven was a great number. (laughs) We went down there and put the hard hat, on, And we took bottles of oil that we had prayed over in the little chapel. We set the bottles of oil down and said, we're going to anoint this place with oil. And we prayed and laid out on the floor. And it didn't matter which church you came from. If you prayed silently, you sat in a chair and prayed silently. If you prayed uh, walking, there were people who walked and prayed. If you prayed in tongues, there were people who were praying in a different tongue, but it didn't disturb us because we came together as one to pray that God would be honored at City Hall. So there we were with our hard hats, throwing oil all over the place. And they said, "But what do you want to accomplish? We said, we want to go to the four corners of this building. And so we were throwing oil. God, we praise you for the city hall. This is a place that is now going to be honored by you. The people of God are coming to, 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 to dedicate this to you, oh God. Some things have got to change. Some things have got to happen. And that's one of the things that we did. And then we continued to meet with the police chief and with the city manager and all of the different people coming together. And when we've ended our meetings, we said, City manager, police chief, Altadena sheriff's captain, how can we pray for you? Superintendent of the school district, how can we pray for you? And they all started coming up and after a while, when they made their reports, at the end of the reports, they would say, and you can pray for us now, dot, 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 dot. That brought the pastors together. And we love each other. We're becoming friends with each other. We're no longer intimidated by what your your denomination says is right. It's not a right or a wrong thing, but it's the body of Christ thing. The body of Christ that brought the pastors together to decide that they were going to put away all of the things that they fought against each other with and come together. And now that the pastors are together, it is time now for our pastors, me and Ben and all of the other pastors, to bring you along that you can come together now with us in the city of Pasadena, in this community, because we are sisters and brothers. I may never know you by name, but I will know you by the presence of God that is all around you. You are my sister, you are my brother, you are my niece and nephew. We are the called according to God together in this place. And as I end, am I doing okay, Ben? Okay. As I end, Dr. Mark Roberts, who I work with at Fuller on occasion, puts it this way in his commentary on Ephesians. We are not incidental to God's story, nor are we merely those upon whom God acts. Rather, we are, by grace, participants in God's story, sharers together in his work of redemption in Christ. The theme of togetherness fills the story of Ephesians, underscoring the essential role of the church in the plan of God. What is our role in the plan of God for the body of Christ in Pasadena? I believe that God is up to something and we've never been this way before what is our role we are to live a life worthy of this calling to do good works because we in the same passage says that we are called as God's workmanship we are God's workmanship God's workmanship we are God's handiwork created in Christ Jesus to do good works Not everyone can do the same thing, but I'll bet you can do something that I can't do. And if we come together, we are stronger and greater than any one of us alone. Mm. The scripture says, for this reason. I know when you read it, at least the two people that came with me probably said, she started the passage with for this reason, without people knowing what the reason is. I just told you the reason and so I can end this message by saying for this reason seeing the greatness of this plan by which you are built together in Christ Paul says the Apostle Paul says I bow my knees before the father of our Lord Jesus Christ for whom every family in heaven and earth is named may he grant you out of the richness of his glory to be strengthened and reinforced with mighty power in the inner man by the Holy Spirit himself indwelling your innermost being and personality. He goes on to pray, may Christ through your faith actually dwell, settle down, abide in, make his personal home in your hearts. May you be rooted deep in love and founded securely on love. That you may have the power and be strong to apprehend and grasp with all of the saints what is the breadth, the length, and the height, and the depth, and to know the love of Christ, which surpasses knowledge. That you may be filled with the fullness of God. And then he gives his doxology. <laughs> now when now when now when now now in the doxology he says now to him who by the power within us is able to do exceedingly far more abundantly than all that we could ask or think To him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus to all generations. And let the church say, Amen. Wow. Paul prayed for us. He prayed for vintage church. He prayed for community church. He prayed for you and you and you and you. That makes us special. He prayed for those with a new identity in Christ. Who have become spiritually alive. Who are the church. The new dwelling place of God. The new dwelling place of God. You know a little bit about me. And I hope to learn a little bit about more of you. So that when we come together, when we come together, because we're planning some big things, man, in the CCC that will now finally bring our congregations together. We're just trying to figure out where we can hold all of our congregations at one time. But it's coming. It's coming. So that the city of Pasadena can see us in our fullness and know that the body of Christ lives in this place, in this city. And God is about to do it. And if you believe me, say amen. amen. I wanna pray.